Our suffering is never in vain. And Paul understood this, and that's why he said, I'm willing to suffer. In fact, he says, I want to suffer, not because he liked punishment, not because he liked suffering, but because he knew if he did suffer with Christ, he would also reign with Christ. If he would suffer the death of Christ through himself being crucified and his affections and his desires that were not like the Lord, that he too would be resurrected unto new life. Amen. So today we're going to continue. I know that Resurrection Sunday was last Sunday, but we can talk about it whenever we want. And so today we're going to talk about the events following the resurrection. Amen. Last week we discussed the events leading up to it. This week we're going to discuss the events following the resurrection. Amen. One more time, let's just ask the Lord to... We know He's here with us. We know He's doing a work. Let's give Him permission. And let's let Him know that we desire for Him to continue to work in us through His Word today. Lord, we're, we're thankful for Your Word in the, the midst of this world. And there's so many things that are uncertain. So many things that are, are bouncing around. And we're not sure what to trust and who to trust. And we can turn to Your Word in this atmosphere, God. Amidst all the confusion, amidst all the chaos, Your Word is an anchor for our soul. Your Word is an anchor that we can hold fast to. We can look into and find words that will lead us to eternal life, Jesus. So I pray today as we examine Your Word, that it would come to life in us. That we would mix it with faith. That our hearts and our minds would be changed by it. That you would continue to move by your spirit in this place. Because without you, we're wasting our time. But if you will be here and you will move, there's no place we would rather be, Jesus, than right here in your presence. We give you praise and we give you joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you so much. Amen. Let's give him praise as we're seated today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Did you know that our, joy, our praise gives Him joy today? Our praise and our attention gives Him joy. If you have the privilege of being a parent, you understand the joy that comes when your children will pay attention to you. Just like in the natural, when we first come to the Lord, we give Him more attention the older we get the less our parents know when we're teenagers they don't know nothing that's a double negative so that's not quite true we don't think they know anything but the older we get the more we realize how true they the words they spoke were and it's the same with the lord after a while sometimes we have to press to give him attention because we start to figure things out a little bit too much. And then later on we realize he really knew what he was talking about. Amen. But God is pleased when we give him our attention today. Amen. We're going to turn to Luke 24. The screen will display the scriptures. We're going to look at the events following the resurrection. We're going to read a lot of scripture, so just follow along. Luke 24, and one says, we're reading from the New Living Translation, just it's a little easier to read and understand. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They went to minister to Jesus, even though he was no longer living they wanted to do their part to minister to him. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, this gives us encouragement because often with the things of the Lord, we're puzzled. What happened? <laughs> what does this mean? 
We open the Bible and we say, what meaneth this in the King James Version? The two men suddenly appeared unto them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. You see, supernatural things can be frightening. People walk into a spirit-filled service for the first time. It can be a little frightening. People are, I think, it doesn't sound like English. It sounds like they're just speaking gibberish. People speaking in tongues seems pretty weird when you're unfamiliar with it. When you don't understand what it is. It can be frightening and we need to understand that visitors and non-believers may be frightened at first and that's okay. Because we too, at one point, were a little bit scared by the things of God. If, if it's not a nice, calm, quiet time and everybody's relaxed and behaving themselves and they can stay comfortable, that's not too threatening but the Spirit of the Lord begins to move and bobby pins begin to fly and people begin to dance and shout a little bit. That can be frightening, but that's okay. We're not trying to be relevant to our society. There's some juking and jiving going on at the Blazer game last night. There was people dancing in the aisles. And they were on the big screen, some of them. They would they pan the camera on them, and they don't care. They dance more. So if they're not ashamed to dance for the Blazers, why are we ashamed of our praise? Well, someone won't understand. That's okay. They will with time if they press into the Lord. Just like these ladies, they were terrified of these angels, these supernatural Creatures that were before them. The men asked them, they said, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. I think they just gave me an amen back there. (laughs) Praise God. Out of the mouth of babes. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. That he would rise again on the third day. Why are you here looking when he already told you he wouldn't be here on the third day? How quickly do we forget during our trial what God said? How quickly we forget God's promises when things get hard. Then they remembered that he said this. Oh yeah. Jesus did tell us all this was going to happen. But we didn't remember until you just told us. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. James was Jesus' brother. So this is Jesus' mother, Mary and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. They thought the ladies were reading the National Enquirer and the check stand again. Star Magazine. You know, I don't want to ruin it for you you think those things are true those in pro wrestling they thought it was nonsense they didn't believe it however Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look stooping he looked he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings and he went home again wondering what happened (laughs) Peter didn't have the angels to explain it (laughs) so he went he looked He was already told what happened, and he still, I wonder what happened here. Don't feel bad if you're a little slow. (laughs) 
I'm a little slow sometimes. And obviously, Peter was a little slow. He didn't understand what was going on. And, and, and the other people just rejected it outright. Don't feel bad when you try to explain the gospel and some people look at you like you're nuts. Now you believe in Jesus and He rose from the dead and blah, 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 blah. It's nonsense. It's foolishness to some people. That's okay. There's going to be others like Peter who are eager to find out more. They're eager to view the gospel. They're eager to study the Bible. They'll sit down and say, what does it say? It doesn't mean they get it right away. It doesn't mean that they automatically sit down and all the understanding in the world comes to them. And they can quote every scripture in the Bible, backwards and forwards. But the key is there are those who will gladly, like Acts 2.41 says, receive His Word. There are some people you're going to come across in life, they're not going to reject the Gospel. They're going to say, tell me more about it. And not only are they going to hear it, but if they truly gladly receive it, they're going to obey it. These that gladly receive the Word were baptized and they were added unto the church. About 3,000 souls. And Matthew 5, 6 tells us why. Simply because they're hungry. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All you've got to do today is be hungry. Be hungry for more of God. Seek after His face. He will show you as you seek Him. And if you don't understand it right away, you're not alone. No one does. We're all in a process of growing and learning. But every time we open the Bible and we say, show me a little more, Lord. Every time we sit down with somebody and we talk about the Scriptures, God's going to show a little bit more of Himself. We might walk away sometimes like Peter, scratching our head saying, I wonder how this came to be. But that's okay. And then there's these two disciples on the road to Emmaus in verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers. These are Jesus' followers. These aren't unbelievers. They were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, all the events surrounding the crucifixion. And as they talk and discuss these things, Jesus Himself suddenly came and began walking with them. And as I said earlier, as we talk about Jesus, and we desire to know more about Jesus, He will show up in our midst. He will suddenly come and be with us. But God, for whatever reason, kept them from recognizing Jesus in the beginning. God reveals Himself as He chooses. And sometimes we don't understand why people don't get it right away or they don't recognize who Jesus truly is. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that, that we're smarter than them. It means God is the one who reveals Himself. And He will to anybody who is sincere. In verse 17, He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? I'm glad Jesus is interested in what we are doing. He's mindful of us. David said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? We sang the friend, song called A Friend of God on Friday at youth service, which was a really awesome time in, of worship, and we had a great time. And one of the lines says, Who am I that you are mindful of me? It's hard to imagine that the Creator of the universe cares about little old me but He cares about each and every one of us. Our entire life, every conversation, every word, every thought. That's convicting on one hand, but it's encouraging that He is mindful of us.
They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied and he said, he's probably astonished, through his sadness he's also, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who has not heard about all the things which have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus says. Obviously, Jesus knows. He was there. But it's amazing to me, sometimes God wants us to say it. Why do I have to confess my sins? He already knows. He knows, but He wants you to confess it. Why does He want me to tell Him I love Him again? He knows. Same reason your wife does. <laughs> they want to hear it again. You can't tell them enough. Guys, free tip. Tell them you love them all the time. Shouldn't she know by now? Say it again. Say it again. But the confessing these things to Jesus isn't even so much for his benefit. It's more for my benefit for our benefit that we confess these things because when we have to get it out of our mouth there's a process that happens in us giving it to Jesus confessing it to Jesus what things Jesus says I want to hear how you understand what has happened I don't want to just tell you the truth yet I want to hear you say what you think happened so Presumably, Cleopas again says the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, who they didn't understand they were talking to. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. Now here they start to tip their hat a little bit. <laughs> we had hoped, past tense, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped. But now they're just sad. We had hoped until this other stuff happened now we're not sure this all happened three days ago we have to be careful that the circumstances that arise in our life they even had the knowledge of Jesus telling them what was going to happen and sometimes we don't but in the midst of our trial we can get to the point where we say well I had hoped Jesus would save me I had hoped my life would be this or that. I had hoped that I would be able to do this. But these things all happened. He goes on to continue to talk and he says, Then some women from our group of followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Just as they had said. But they were obviously still struggling to believe it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been sad. Right? We have to be careful that we don't communicate the gospel in sadness. Jesus died and rose again so that some way we could be saved. I'm not sure how. Seems like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Trump is president. Obviously, this world is gone. But I'm a Christian. 
and I believe in Jesus. Do you? It doesn't really sound like it. It doesn't really seem like you're really convinced that Jesus Christ rose again. You're obviously not possessing the faith of the resurrection. You're letting the circumstances of life dictate your faith. Because if these men would have been convinced of the testimony that Jesus had risen, they would have had joy in telling Jesus, even though they didn't know he's Jesus. They would have been telling him, hey man, Jesus is alive. He's alive. He rose again. All that bad stuff happened. He told us it was going to happen anyways. And now he's alive. Who knows what's going to happen next? I know it's bad, but God's awesome. I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on, and people aren't sure right now what's going to happen tomorrow. They don't even know where Jesus is. But I'm sure it's going to be great, because God is greater. God's greater. When are we going to let, quit letting the media tell us how we should feel? I know there's, we're on the brink of World War III in some cases. I know there's bad stuff going on around the world. I know that all this stuff is happening in our society, but God's good. So I don't know what's going to happen just like you, but frankly, it doesn't matter. God is greater. God will bring His church above it. He's risen. He's not dead. So we can have joy. We should communicate the gospel with joy. Verse 25, Then Jesus said unto them, You foolish people. Well, I thought God was so loving. (laughs) He's direct too. He does love us. That's why He corrects us. He says, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. You see, the reason why they had no faith is because they stopped believing the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? I gave it to you prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. I gave it to you over and over in my word. If you would just read my word and believe my word, you would know what is going on. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? But thankfully, when God corrects us, he doesn't just leave us there. But then he took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When we make up our mind to believe the Bible and we read it, we can have the confidence we're not reading it alone. That Jesus will open up our understanding and point to our lives. He has a way of making the Scriptures come alive to our circumstances. By this time, verse 28 says, they were nearing Emmaus in the end of their journey. And Jesus acted as if He were going to go on. But they begged him to stay. He did this in other times in the Bible. Remember, he acted like he was just going to walk by the boat? Sometimes Jesus wants to see if we really want him with us. He doesn't want to go past us. He doesn't want to leave our midst any more than we want him to leave. But he's waiting for us to say something. Stay, Lord. We need you. Please come with us. It's getting late. Come with us. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. He broke the bread and he blessed it and gave it to them and then they saw him. Again, the, the word of God is like bread. It's the substance for our soul. And when we take the Bible, it's kind of like breaking bread. You open it up. 
right? It's kind of like taking a bread and breaking it. You open up the Bible, and God's going to show himself to you. Your eyes will be opened by the Scripture. So reading the Bible, even though we have to discipline ourselves to do it, it shouldn't be just a religious ritual. It should be a conversation with God. It's Jesus saying, let me reveal myself to you. Let me show you who I am, and let me show you who you are. Let me give you the bread of life. So that when we don't read our Bible one day, and we get to the next day, we're not guilty and shameful that we didn't read it and say, oh man, I messed up and I didn't do my duty. We say, Lord, I'm sorry I missed time with you. I'm going to spend time with you today. A whole different attitude. When I open the Bible, it's breaking of the bread. And again, we have to let God's Spirit bless it because as He blesses it, something miraculous happens. It's not just words on a page. It's not just an intellectual exercise. Knowledge becomes understanding and wisdom as we read it and have a conversation with Jesus. And whatever you're saying to disqualify yourself, please don't say it because God is not a respecter of persons. He will honor anybody who reads His Word with a hungry heart and trust in Him. They said to each other, I love this, verse 32, didn't our hearts burn within us as He talked with us on the road? And he explained the scriptures to us. Didn't our hearts burn within us? See, like the disciples walking by themselves and discussing life before he came. I fall into the trap myself, but we lose our passion for God. We lose our passion for the things of God. And we we just come to church because we know we're supposed to, but there's not a lot of passion in it. And God honors that. But I want us to get to the point where there's some burning in our hearts as we worship, as we praise, as we read the Bible, as we get on our knees. There's a passion in us. Like Jeremiah in 20 and 9, he tried to stop preaching the Bible, but he's the word of the Lord that was coming to him, rather, and he said, I will not make mention of him. I'm tired of talking about him. I don't like what's happening as I talk about him, nor speak any more of his name. I'm not going to mention his name anymore. I'm not going to talk about him. I'm not even going to mention his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. I just couldn't help talking about it. Because when I didn't mention it, it just this raging inferno just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger till I had to let it out. Testifying of Him in public, again, shouldn't be something that we're doing because we feel guilty if we don't witness to the lost. It should be an outpouring of a fire within us that I can't help but tell somebody today about the goodness of Jesus. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, verse 33. They didn't stay and rest the rest of the night. Evidently, they talked to him at night, but within the hour, they were back on the seven-mile journey. They walked all through the night. They found the 11 disciples whenever the hour was. It was probably still in the middle of the night. They probably would have been walking pretty fast. And there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, they they got it. The Lord has really risen. It's true. Can you believe it? Obviously, I'm having a hard time, but can you believe it? The Lord has risen. It really happened. He's really risen. 
And while they're here talking to the disciples, the two of them from Emmaus told their story how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. So again, when you begin to witness about Jesus, you begin to tell people about Jesus, don't be surprised when you start to feel his presence. Because he's going to show up. And try not to be like them and get scared about it. (laughs) Tell them about Jesus and all of a sudden you feel the Holy Ghost. Whoa, what's that? Who touched me? Somebody messing with me? What's going on? And Jesus said, peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he said. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Why did he want them to look there? Because there's scars in his hands. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure I'm not a ghost. Go ahead, touch me. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet. Still they stood there in disbelief. Filled with joy and wonder. At least they're getting in a better condition. They're in disbelief, but they're starting to feel some joy and some wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? He's hungry. He hasn't eaten for three days. (laughs) They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he ate it as they watched. They were so full of amazement, they just sat there and watched him eat. That would make me uncomfortable if I was Jesus, but they're just so filled with awe sitting there in astonishment and amazement that Jesus is really here. He's alive. Probably many of them just sat there quietly, but with a smile on their face to finally feel some relief that evil had not won, but that Jesus had overcome evil with good. You know, sometimes it does us good. The Bible says to be still and know that I'm God. Just to sit there and turn everything off. Shut out all distractions and just stare at Jesus for a while. Just look at the resurrected Savior. Focus on Him. And you will begin to feel joy and peace as you focus on him alone. Then he said, verse 44, when I was with you, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses. He goes on to remind them and the prophets and in the Psalms, they must be fulfilled. This had to happen. I wasn't, I didn't go through all that just because it seemed like a good way to test your faith. It had to happen. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Again, over and over the Bible lets us understand that we have to have his help to truly grasp what the scriptures are saying. Even if we can read every word perfectly and we can pronounce it perfectly, it does not matter if our understanding is darkened. And he said... Yes, it is written, long ago the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That includes everyone who is willing to repent. So the determining factor if your sins will be forgiven or not is not in the magnitude of your sin, but in your willingness to repent. 
You are witnesses of all these things, he said. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. I went through the suffering so you could have the power. The power of His Spirit. Then Jesus led them to Bethany. And Bethany was very likely in very close proximity to the Garden of Gethsemane, where it all began last week. Jesus leads them right back there before He ascends on high. So where He started, He finishes. In Acts chapter 1, verse 2, records part of what happens here. Again, this is Luke, the same author. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or his suffering. We explained that last week. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. And God will do that for you as you ask Him to. He will give you infallible proofs that He is alive. It may not make sense to someone else. They may say it's circumstance or coincidence or just your imagination. But to you, you will know. You prayed for it. You asked for it. And He proved it. Being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, He spent 40 days after His resurrection teaching them, talking to them, making sure they understood their mission now that He is about to be ascending on high. Being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, you have heard of Me. So stay right here. This is more important than anything else. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. They didn't have the, the understanding that it would be about ten more days. We know that, looking back. But they didn't know that. He just told them, stay put until you receive. When they were therefore come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, wilt Thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Are You going to give us authority in earth? Are You going to make kingdom of Israel greater than any other earthly kingdom? They're still concerned about what happens in this life. And temporal things. He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost come upon you, ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. We have spoken these things. While they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, Two men stood by them in white apparel. And they said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then he returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, the Sabbath day's journey. When they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And we know that they continued steadfastly for about 10 days, about 120 in that upper room, saying, we're not going anywhere till we receive the promise, till we receive the power of your Spirit before we receive the whole reason you died and rose again. You see, there was about 500 possibly, approximately, that heard him before he ascended, and only 120 actually went to receive the promise. 380 decided something else is more important. And as we conclude today, we see that they did indeed receive the power 
the promise, the Holy Spirit being poured out in Acts 2 and 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all pursuing the same thing, and that is the promise of the Father. They were all waiting for the promise. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. This was the whole reason that he suffered, that he died, that he rose again so that he could give us his spirit. And it wasn't just for those select few. It was, it's for anybody who's willing. It's for whosoever will. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. Whosoever will trust him above all else. Whosoever wants to know the power of his resurrection. If we could stand today. I'm thankful it's not just a nice feel-good story that we read about in the Bible and we just have to just somehow hold on to faith. But we don't really experience anything of it. But instead... Jesus still fills people with His Spirit today. So that we know, He says, this is the earnest of your inheritance. This is just a little piece of what you're going to receive in heaven. This joy you feel, this peace you feel, this this just not even a care in the world you feel when I fill you with my Spirit. All of us who have received His Spirit know what I'm talking about, that the grass is greener, the, even, the, even in, in the midst of the rain, it seems like the sun is shining. Praise God. All that happens by His Spirit, and that's just a little taste of what heaven is going to be like. Because He never meant for us to just walk through life and make it without His power, without His help. He wants to give us a piece of resurrection power. He wants us to be filled with His Spirit so no matter what comes into our life, He can lift us above the situation. It's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. Amen. I can't overcome depression by myself. I can't overcome anxiety or stress by myself. I can't overcome sin by myself. I can't overcome my greatest enemy, which is me, not somebody else. But through the power of His Spirit, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ as He strengthens me. And He strengthens me through His Spirit. Amen. As we're getting ready to pray in just a moment, I want to encourage you today that when we talk about the Holy Ghost, we don't do that because we're Pentecostal. Because that's what somebody told me I'm supposed to say because I'm a Pentecostal. I am Pentecostal. But I talk about it because it's the Bible. It's what I've experienced. It's what my life has been. It's not about the name on the sign. I've said, you can, if you obey the gospel, you experience the gospel, you can call yourself whatever you want. But you have to have the gospel. You have to be born again in water and spirit. And it's more than a have to, it's a get to. It's the greatest privilege in all the world. To be filled with the presence of God. To be filled with the Spirit of God. That's the promise. That's why He died. So that I could be filled with new life. So I can be born again. So I can be forgiven. So I can be set free. And so I don't have to wonder as I walk through life, does God really exist Does God really love me? Did God really create me? No, I know because His Spirit is inside of me. I know because He touches me when I pray. I know because His Word comes alive when I read it. Not because I'm special. Not because I'm better than anyone else. But because His Spirit is living inside of me.
Acts 2.38 is not a doctrine of one man. It's not, a, it's not an organization. It's the gospel and how we respond to the gospel. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins or the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We talk about that not just because we want people to believe like we believe, but because we want the will of God for their life. We want them to be saved. When that trumpet sounds, that Spirit of God is going to quicken those who are filled with His Spirit. When that trumpet sounds, He's going to take us to be with Him in glory. And today, if you're, if you're struggling, if you're depressed or you're stressed out or you don't know if, if you sin too much, the answer is the same. Come to Jesus and let His Spirit fill you up. Let His Spirit fill you till you're overflowing with joy and with peace. Because it's about a relationship with Him. It's about a relationship with Him. That's what this life is all about. I encourage you today. Begin to talk to your Creator. Begin to talk to the One who wants to save you. And say, here I am, Lord. Save me. Forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me for whatever I've done that's wrong, that's not covered in Your blood. And come and fill my life, Lord. Fill me with Your Spirit, Jesus. I've got to have Your Spirit. Just like your, your Spirit entered into the body of Jesus Christ. He was dead and in a tomb. But Your Spirit came and entered into that body and raised it up to life again. Raise me up today, God. Fill me with Your life. Fill me with Your Spirit. Come and cleanse me and make me whole. Touch my mind. Touch my heart. Touch my spirit. Touch me, O oh Lord. Fill me, Lord Jesus. Fill me, Lord Jesus. Blessed are they as who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you are hungry today, before we leave this place, you'll be filled with this Spirit. Before you leave this place, you will speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. It will happen as you surrender. It will happen as you seek His face. It will happen today. You'll leave filled with joy and with peace today as you reach out to Him. Come and reach out to Him today. Let's fill these altars. If you're comfortable coming forward, I encourage you to come forward. This doesn't mean you're a bad person. This doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. This just means you're coming to the table to eat today. This means you're coming to the table of grace. Say, Lord, here I am. Fill me, Lord Jesus. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with resurrection power. Oh, that I might know Him in the fellowship of His suffering. That I might also know the power of His resurrection. That I might somehow be filled with the power of His Spirit today. You are all that I want. You are all that I need, Jesus. God doesn't want you to leave empty today. He doesn't want you to leave empty. He wants you to leave filled today. Come and be, come and be filled today. Come and be filled today. Come and be filled today. Power of God. 
okay to cry out to him today. It's okay to cry out to him today. Nobody's going to think anything bad today. Just cry out to him. Cry out to him. Here I am, Jesus. I need resurrection power. I can't make it without you, Lord. I can't make it without you. 